Hello and welcome to Footnotes the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah and I hope you enjoy this episode. I am joined by Sandy Brown, who's going to be talking about his latest guidebook to the California Missions Trail. Sandy is Cicerone's associate publisher for Caminos and Pilgrimages. He's walked or biked over 10,000 kilometres of pilgrim trails in Europe and the US. And he has really recently done the California Missions Trail, both walked and biked that. So he has plenty to say about that trail. He has also written Cicerone's guidebooks to the Via Francigena. And we've got part two and part three uh, out now. And part one is available from February next year. And he's also done the Camino de Santiago, Camino Frances, and the Way of St. Francis. So he is a pilgrim expert for a reason. And yeah, tonight we're talking about a a pilgrimage with a bit of a twist in that it's in the US. So I will, I'll bring Sandy on. It is always a pleasure to speak to him. Hi, Sandy. Hi there, Hannah. How are you? I am really good. Thank you. I am, I'm really excited about hearing about the California Missions Trail. I had no idea really that you could do pilgrimages in the US. So this is a whole new thing for me. Yeah, there are a couple of pilgrimage trails in the US and I'm so glad Cicerone Press was asked to do a guidebook for the California Missions Trail. And I'm glad I had the opportunity to be the author for it. And thanks so much for inviting me on Cicerone Live tonight. I appreciate that. Look forward to questions from you and from our audience. So we're going to go through a bit of a presentation from you, and that's going to tell us quite a bit about the trail. Here we go. Now, the California Missions Trail, in a skeletal kind of way, is an itinerary that connects the 21 historic Spanish missions in modern-day California. And they stretch in the north from Sonoma in the south to San Diego. And I say that it's the skeleton of the missions trail because there are 21 of these, an average distance of 40 miles apart. And it's the 40 miles apart between the missions that really are the scope of the book. There's so much in between as well as so much to the story. So when you look at the track itself, we divided it into four different sections. The first section is beginning in Sonoma, California, north of the Bay Area, go down to San Rafael the next, and then you have an option of either taking the ferry from Larkspur to San Francisco or crossing over the Golden Gate Bridge after Sausalito. Each of the times I did the walk, I crossed the bridge because it's such a dramatic way to experience the bay. I've also ridden the ferry one time, and we're very familiar with ferries up in Seattle where I grew up. So that's a legitimate way. And you could argue that's the most historic way to cross the bay 
because the bridge is 20th century, but boats have been going across for thousands of years. You go into San Francisco then, where Mission San Francisco, often called Mission Dolores is. You head down the peninsula and cross the bay at the Dumbarton Bridge or take the San Francisco Bay Trail that goes to the south of the bay. And you find Mission San Jose at Fremont. You continue through what we call Silicon Valley now and come to Mission Santa Clara at Santa Clara University. You cross the mountains at Santa Cruz Mountains at this pass, and you end up then the end of the first section in Santa Cruz. And so that's one, two, three, four, five, six of the 21 missions in the northernmost part of the itinerary. Then from Santa Cruz, you head inland, so you can pick up Mission San Juan Bautista. And going through this area introduces a walker or a biker to the agricultural areas around Salinas in this huge valley, the Salinas Valley, which some people call the salad bowl of America because of the lettuce and other uh, crops that are raised here. But then you cut over toward Monterey and find yourself at Carmel, where the second of the missions was planted, uh, Mission San Carlos Borromeo at Rio Carmelo, or how we call it today, Carmel. Then you go back to Salinas Valley, pick up the lonely mission of Mission Soledad, and this stretch through the agricultural region has a couple of options. After you leave King City, though, this stretch to Mission San Antonio and this stretch to Mission San Miguel are very remote. There is just one B&B in the little town of Bradley. And otherwise, a few campgrounds here in this camping alternate. There is a hotel, a retreat center here at the fort that's at Mission San Antonio. But that's really the biggest challenge of the entire itinerary. It's probably hard for people outside of California to understand how remote this stretch is. But it's way in the middle of nowhere without even a highway. After San Miguel, then you head down through what is wine country. And this is a growing area for not just wine, but olive oil also. You come to one of my favorite towns on the Mission Trail, which is San Luis Obispo and the Mission there. And you head to the beach. This is really the third time, Santa Cruz, Carmel, and then Pismo Beach, that we're at the beach, and we'll get a lot more of it later. You come down to the town of Santa Maria, Orcut, and then you come to uh, Lompoc and Mission La Purisima. You come to Mission Santa Inez, here you cross now the Santa Inez Mountains, and you come down Refugio Road, 
which is one of the glorious downhills on a bicycle, and you're back at the beach. As you head toward Isla Vista, University of Santa Barbara, and then the very lovely town of Santa Barbara, justifiably called one of the most beautiful cities in California, if not the U.S. You're along the beach the rest of the way to Ventura, just like in the song by America, Ventura Highway, and that's the end of the central coast section. Then you come to the south coast section, and from Ventura, you head across the Santa Susana Pass after Simi Valley to come to Mission San Fernando. In the outskirts of the Los Angeles area, the Mission San Gabriel, Mission San Juan Capistrano, where my uh, mother's family is from. And then you can see the last part, including at uh, Mission uh, San Luis Rey de Francia, is along the ocean until you come to Mission San Diego at the end of the experience. So it's a massive itinerary, but it's also quite amazing because of the history, the sites that you see, and the opportunity to experience California for what it is. Now, when you talk the missions in California, it's important to understand the distinction between the romanticized missions and the actual missions. And this is something that my book works hard to describe, because although we think of the missions as starting, of course, in 1769, there were people living in this area for tens of thousands of years, maybe 14,000 years before. And the mission began the colonization that essentially ended their culture and lifestyle. So it's unwise to sugarcoat what happened. And I want to distinguish the romanticized version of the missions from the actual history. And to me, the missions trail is an opportunity to learn some about their story. So as I researched this, I came across the names and the stories of Native American leaders. And side by side with the story of the missions, I placed their stories in the book. So you would learn, for instance, about Lope Inigo, who's one of the few Native Americans who was able to keep and own his tribal lands into the American era. You'd learn about Toy Perina, who led a revolt uh, at Mission San Gabriel. You would learn about Pablo Tac, who was a Native American at Mission San Luis Rey, who at 10 years old was taken to Europe to train for the priesthood. And his stories uh, from Rome are quite fascinating. You'd learn about Stanislaw, who was a 
mission resident at Mission San Jose, who instead of staying in the mission, led a revolt that had perhaps as many as four or 5,000 uh, participants in it. And he raided settler herds and livestock and farms. You also learn about Juana Maria, the woman and the story of the blue dolphin. Maybe you've read this story. A Native American woman who was left on the Channel Islands mistakenly all by herself and lived there for 18 years without any company until she came back and was reunited with friends and family in Santa Barbara. So those are stories of the past. And the Missions Trail is also an opportunity to talk about the Native American peoples of today. So this building is in process right now. It's a museum and interpretation center that is part of the Santa Ynez Band of Chumash Indians at Santa Ynez, California, just a few hundred yards off or meters off of the Mission Trail. And it is amazing. This will be open in this coming year, and it's an opportunity to understand more about the people pre-European contract and then the story after that as well. So the Native American era is part of it, but the Mexican era is part of that as well. We usually see the mission eras ending at about 1821 when Mexico won the War of Independence and Alta California, now what we call California, became a a property of Mexico. But right there, right across from the mission in Sonoma, California, is a statue of the final, the last Mexican governor of California. When you go to San Juan Bautista, you see buildings from the Mexican era of uh, California. And then you can't help but be surrounded by Mexican culture that exists to this day. This has meaning for me because my family came from Mexico in the 1860s. And one thing that the missions do is they help to remind us that the um, earliest contact was Hispanic in origin. And so there are many that are very, very proud of that. Also, the American era. So Sonoma is also the place where the Bear Flag Revolt happened. And the flag of California still has a bear on it. For a few moments, California was an independent republic. And then uh, after the Mexican-American War, it became part of the United States. And just two years later, a state. You're also walking through American history. This is the Presidio Cemetery in San Francisco with many First and Second World War graves. And you're walking through American culture, too. Just just one example is the neighborhood of Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead. You just walk a few blocks away from his home. 
in uh, South San Francisco. So in the American era, what happened was that the missions, which were crumbling, our culture was working to understand its past and appreciate the European settlements and in its own way to appreciate Native Americans who had been here before. And so there was a sort of romanticization of all this and a kind of glimmer uh, as it was buffed out. But it's a hard story, and it's a story that if you make this walk, you'll have 55 days walking. If you make this as a cycle trip between two and three weeks to get through this amazing itinerary. So, where do you walk or where do you bike? North of Santa Barbara, there's a stretch where if you don't time it right, you have to walk on Highway 101, which there is a freeway. Or if you time it right with a plus one tide or lower, you can walk on this pristine section of beach. It's about seven miles in distance. And you can't get here unless you time it right. And if you do get here, you see a part of California's beaches that few others have ever seen. Instructions of doing this are in the guidebook. You also walk or bike through enormous agricultural areas like Camarillo. You'll walk sometimes with the smell of lettuce in your nostrils or the smell of ripening strawberries. And you do find yourself sometimes on agricultural roads. You also find yourself in San Francisco. You can see a little bit of the Bay Bridge. You can see some of the tall towers of San Francisco. So because it so much is urban, there's a lot of sidewalk walking, especially in the cities of San Francisco and the Los Angeles metropolitan area. And then when you get to San Diego. But some of this walking is really quite beautiful. For instance, you walk past this courthouse, which is a fine example of Spanish colonial revival architecture right in the heart of Santa Barbara. You also find yourself walking along the sea. And as I was walking with Sue with my other two friends, we were watching surfers here, but we were also watching dolphins playing in the surf along with the surfers. It's pretty spectacular to see, and that's just right on the route. Now, should you walk or should you bike the California Missions Trail? Let me say that most people walk this, and that's because of our justifiable love of walking. I learned in biking it that there are actually some advantages to biking. So you can walk from Monterey over the hill, past Veterans Park, and down into Carmel. It's a pretty walk, often through trees, through some suburbs as well. Or if you can have a bike, or if you're biking it, 
You might also take what's called the 17-mile road, which takes you right along the coastline and then to Pebble Beach Golf Course, which golfers all know about, and golf widows and widowers. And that also gets you Carmel. It's double the distance. It's not easy to walk it. It's a better bike ride. But to me, that's an example of one advantage to having a bike on this route. And an e-bike was perfect for me. As I said, I also walked it. And you can imagine, I walked a shorter route when I walked it. I just didn't have time and uh, and was unable to, uh, for supply reasons, also walk on the 17-mile road. Now, where do you stay? One of the things we do in all of our pilgrimage books is we make sure that we have an appendix for a stage planning table. So you can see that the route begins in Sonoma. We have identified a recommended hotel in Sonoma, given the address, phone number, and website, the price range, and then where it is in relation to the prior stop. This is at the beginning, Mission Sonoma. And then with everyone, we identify the distance. So as you can see on this first page of the stage planning table, the longest distance without an intermediary lodging is 14.8, otherwise 10.6. And so to do this and to stay in commercial properties works out just fine. And uh, our lodging appendix shows how to do it. I also want to say, though, that a great thing to do is become part of the crew of the California Mission Walkers. This is a group that, through the year, puts together walking excursions on the mission's trail. And the Mission Walkers have varieties of service available, from being a a trail angel to... um, occasionally even finding uh, lodging for people along the way. And that website is missionwalk.org. So to summarize, the star of this journey is California, this amazing state that is on the Pacific Ocean, but it's much more than just a beach state. It's a agricultural state for one thing it's got some of the largest agricultural regions in the world it's a place that's inhabited not just by people but also by wildlife the seal workery at carpenteria and the seal mothers come here to luxuriate in the sun as they're calving every year it's amazing sight to see And it's an area of parks. This is at Fort Ord State Park, which is north of Monterey. And it's a state full of wonder and majesty and beauty. And one of the great privileges of my life has been to walk it, to bike it twice, and then to be able to share it with others 
through this new guidebook on the California Missions Trail. Thank you, Sandy. That was fantastic. It was very detailed. I feel like I had a few questions to ask and I I kept ticking them off because you kept answering them. Okay. Um, So, yeah, that was brilliant. One thing before we go any further, the book isn't out yet, is it? It is not out. The launch for the book is on November 7th in Santa Barbara at the Santa Barbara Historical Museum, 5.30 p.m. I've already bought my (laughs) tickets. I'll be there. Copies are there in Santa Barbara waiting for the launch (laughs) on the 7th of November. That's the only way you can get it right now, or you can pre-order it through Ciceron Press. Yes, and we haven't even practiced this But if you pre-order it, we have put a little discount code together. So if you do want to pre-order Sandy's book, we will send it out from the UK as soon as it arrives here. And you can use the code LAUNCH10 to get a discount on that. I was really surprised, actually, because I don't know much about California. I don't know much about the history. I don't know much about the missions. And I was really surprised at the variety that you get on the walk, going through the cities and going along the beaches and does it feel like you're getting an overview of American history when you're when you're walking that route? I think you're getting an overview, certainly, of California history. But um, one function of California history is that first contact wasn't, um, or at least the mission phase of first contact wasn't until 1769 which is about 150, 60, 70 years after the East Coast. So the American colonists were already plotting rebellion um, by the time the first sign of missionaries were landing on the shore uh, in California. So it's a shorter Western, or we could maybe say modern history, One thing that's interesting about it, too, though, is that by virtue of the fact that these were, and uh, I hate to say the word experience, but they were experienced missionaries. Her Nipper Sarah had already been a missionary for 10 or 20 years by the time he landed in San Diego and Monterey. One of the things you learn, thanks to the mission work, was about the Native Americans. So many of the Franciscan missionaries wrote down the and tried to preserve the languages in written form. And so, in a way, that gives us a deeper knowledge of the Native American cultures than in places where the cultures were suppressed without the benefit of having missionaries to try to write out the languages. So it ends up being a significant thing because most all of this material is recorded and in the archives of the missions and diligently studied both by academics and by Native Americans to try to leap back to that time 250-ish years ago before first contact. So if you think of American history in terms of Native American history, then there's a gold mine here. 
that doesn't exist uh, with much of our American history. Yeah, I think one thing that is really important, I think, about Cicerone guidebooks is that it's almost impossible. I'm going to say this now. I, hopefully I'm, I'm right. But it's it's almost impossible for us to have a guidebook where we have done it because it is purely and simply a good walk. You know, it is a good walk. Of course, it's a good walk. It's a good cycle route. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't. But there's so much other stuff that you are absorbing when you're when you're doing the walk and by staying in the accommodation that you stay in and 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 reading the guidebook alongside it you're just yeah it, it's such a, a holistic experience I suppose not just you're just walking this route yeah I think you're right I mean in the other guidebooks that I've done there is not such a story full of pathos Maybe with the exception of going through the World War I cemeteries in France on the Via Francigena and, um, you know, a dozen or two dozen times you're confronted with the graves of young men from 18 to 24 years old who have died not that long ago. This story also has great pathos and it has it because we're only now coming to realize what was lost and to me the irony of looking at what we lost through the california missions is that you could blame the missions for the loss it's a much more complicated story than that The missionaries were one of three groups sent by the Spanish. And the real, if I were to say, the horrible crimes against Native Americans that happened actually happened in the American era, less so in the Spanish era. Because as uh, the story is told, um, the state of California and the federal government gave a per-head bounty on dead Native Americans in the 19th century, and hundreds of thousands of Native Americans were killed, murdered during that time. So people need to hear that story. They need to understand it. And the missions trail opens that up. I was delighted to do the research behind this because... I couldn't find a place where the academic history that has been done in the last 40 or 50 years was together with the history of the missions and that it was all um, put together in a readable way. So at least from what I have experienced, this Missions Trail book offers something very new. It does it in a geographical story as you go from north to south, and um, but it, it's an important story to tell. I believe the book has value, even if you're not walking or biking, just to hear some of these stories that otherwise wouldn't be heard. Yeah, there is somebody actually who has commented that they haven't walked the trail, but over time they've visited all of the missions and that they like the history aspect. And I think actually the book would be really helpful, even if you were visiting the missions and not 
necessarily walking it. Uh, Mark Wilkinson has just clarified the dates of the events in Santa Barbara. Uh-oh, it's November 9th, isn't it? Sorry, Mark, I messed up. <laughs> November 9th and not the 7th. Okay. No, 7th and the 9th. There's two. Oh. So there's, uh, a, there is one at Chaucer's Bookstore, and then there's one at the Santa Barbara Historical Museum. Yeah, that's um, what I'm thinking about. It's going to yeah. be a big, fun party. <laughs> So Arthur has asked, how much is this trail a recreational walk or cycle, or how much is it actually a pilgrimage? I would call it a pilgrimage, and it's in our pilgrimage series. It's intended as a pilgrimage, but it gets tricky when you uh, start to define what a pilgrimage is. The French call the Camino de Santiago a neo-pilgrimage, which means you are going through historical and religious sites, whether you have interest or not in history or religion, you're going for the purpose of enjoying a good long walk and perhaps also wanting to experience some kind of transformation in the solitude or in the community. Historically, a pilgrimage is a journey to a religious site, and a pilgrimage is somebody who is going for the purpose of going to that religious site. And the missions are, I think the correct number is 18 religious buildings, religious communities. There are three that are state parks. And um, so I find it to be a religious experience. And as I have done it, I have meditated on what is the meaning of church in, uh, in its clash or in its um, blending with existing cultures. Really interesting question, and that, that was something I was wondering myself. Patty has got a question about the uh, accommodation. Could you estimate a daily cost? I would say that if you're going to stay in commercial accommodation the whole way, you're looking at $100 a day. And just what the going rate is in California. And there are cheap hotels and expensive hotels are areas where they're cheaper and areas where they're more expensive. But on budget, you can do $100 a day. There is also camping along the way, and about a third of the nights there are campgrounds available, either private or state parks. And uh, there are three hostels in the trip, too, which have inexpensive accommodation, as well as there being three retreat centers in the missions themselves. Uh, which give a little bit of a break. I like uh, working with the mission walkers. I went into the mission walker network when I walked and when I biked, and I would say about a third of my nights I was put up by angels who, um, you know, who kept me, fed me, and then sent me on my way rested and refreshed. Patty has got another question. Um, are there possibilities for cars to hire to carry your gear? So I guess she means like a, a luggage transfer 
service. There's not a luggage transfer service. If you're going with a group, then an easy way to take care of luggage is to use a car. If you have a car already, rent a car. And say you have five people, then everybody takes one turn walking or one turn driving. And uh, so that's a pretty handy way to do it. Everybody then walks uh, 80%. And even that person that is driving, they can walk backwards to the starting <laughs> point and the other people can pick them up so everybody can get 100% that way. There is not baggage service. Um, you know, what you can do if you really feel the need uh, or have the uh, physical limitation on baggage is you can hire taxis between the shops and have them take your luggage ahead. It'd be quite expensive, but it is an option. Each of the ways I carried my pack myself and um, I packed my bike with two panniers with my things. I mean, I guess if you're staying in accommodation every night, you can probably manage to have quite a light pack. Yeah. Versus if you're camping, then you would maybe have a tent and a sleeping bag and a stove. But if you're in accommodations, you can do with 14 to 20 pounds or uh, kilograms-wise, 8 to 10, something like that. We have another question um, from a different Sandy, actually. He's interested in what percentage of the walking is on trail versus country roads versus busy city streets. California has lots of great hiking trails, and sadly, they don't connect the missions together. They're off in the mountains or other places like that. If you do the primary itinerary, 5% of that is on walking trails. So that's about 40 miles of walking on soft dirt trails that you would do. So it's not a wilderness walk, especially when you consider you're getting through three California's three largest cities and one of uh, America's largest city, I think second largest city. So with that in mind, what footwear would you recommend? Hoka One Trail Runners, or I would recommend uh, Ultra Olympus 5. That's what I wear. Trail Runners are the end thing now. And the maximum cushion shoes are really incredible. So you're not going to need stiff walking boots for this. You just want something comfortable and, and supportive. Take a bit of pressure off when you're walking on the hard surfaces, I guess. That's right. And if you're to bike this, I would recommend a hardtail mountain bike for the times that you are on the trails because a uh, skinny tire street bike isn't going to work. Also, a gravel bike would work there. And my uh, hybrid e-bike worked out just fine for me. Yeah, brilliant. I think we're out of time pretty much. One thing I will say is that we have a Facebook page, Cicerone Camino. Sandy is on, on that Facebook page. Uh, so if you do have questions, you can usually get hold of him there. 
Another reminder to use the discount code if you want to get a copy of the book. It's launch10 um, and you can get a discount on the book. Thank you so much for joining us, Sandy. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always nice to hear from you. And thank you for that, that really interesting presentation. And, and like you said, not sugarcoating what actually happened along the route, I think is, is really important. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And we shall see you next time or out on the trails. Take care. Thank you, Helen. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast. I'd love to know what you think or if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes please email live at cicerone.co.uk or leave a review on your podcast platform. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss new episodes or you can sign up to our newsletter for all our latest news, events and guidebooks. Visit cicerone.co.uk for further details. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, come and find us on our social channels. We're on all the main ones as at Cicerone Press and we also have a Facebook group Cicerone Connect, where you can meet and chat to other outdoor enthusiasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.